three, two, one. We are live. This is Brian Wright with my guest tonight, Kyle Bolin, and we are here on the Hive Podcast. Kyle, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So, uh, someone that I know and do some things with, Mike Selly, he told me that you were somebody that I had to have on. He said that the first thing we got to talk about is not that about your career, but the next move you're going to make and this charity that you're raising awareness for. So why don't we introduce our audience to the good things we're doing in the world today? Yeah, so on uh, March 9th is Rutgers University Pro Day, and that's basically where the seniors from last year um, come out and basically just showcase our talents in front of uh, GMs, scouts, and head coaches and assistant coaches throughout the NFL. Um, and I just wanted to use my platform, I guess, as an opportunity to kind of give back to the community. You know, I was only here in Rutgers for six months, and I know a lot of guys transfer in, and if they do well, then it's great. If they don't do well, people just forget about them, or they feel like that, you know, the players have a bad taste in their mouth towards the program or towards the community, and I just didn't want, you know, anything to be confused with how I feel about um, the area and the University of Rutgers. And by doing so, I decided to reach out to Team Legrand, um, which is founded by Eric Legrand. And I've decided to do a Completions for a Cause campaign during my pro day, which basically is I get people from around the area or whoever's interested in giving back to that charity to just basically pledge an amount of money for every completion that I throw during my, my pro day. And, you know, pro days can be anywhere between 60 to 75 passes. So, I mean, people are being smart with their, their pledge, you know, they're not pledging $20 per completion. It's more so around a dollar to $10 for the guys that are a little bit more uh, blessed with pockets. So what is this? So what does this charity cover? Um, Team Legrand is basically just raising money for research on spinal cord injuries. Uh, unfortunately, Eric Legrand suffered a spinal cord injury while playing football and uh, left him paralyzed. So his foundation just raises money and brings people awareness of you know the everyday life that he has to go through. And he's just trying to do his best to raise money to help those in the future or those who have to suffer from paralysis. Really blows my mind when I hear stories of athletes when that they, what, how did, what kind of, what caused that injury first off? Um, they were playing a game in, uh, at the giant stadium at MetLife. I'm pretty sure. I think it's 2010 and it was a kickoff and he just ran down there and hit the guy real hard. And, uh, I'm not really, you know, 100% sure the medical term for what had happened, but he broke uh, a couple of his vertebrae, and then that just left him paralyzed, I'm, I'm pretty sure, from the shoulder down. And he's been working hard since then to get more movement throughout his body. It's pretty wild because you know the human body is extremely durable, mm -hmm. and then the 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 random incident, and we become really fragile. I have a 
I, there was a gentleman that I knew, his name's escaping me right now, but he was a martial arts instructor up in Connecticut. This guy was a full contact fighter, had a ton of full contact fights. We're talking bare knuckle full contact. The only way to win was to knock somebody down or knock them out. This was a tough dude. He was teaching a summer camp. He's standing in about waist deep water and a wave comes and hits him in the back. And the guy just sinks under the water and everyone's like, ha ha. And he's not coming up. And they're like, what the hell? They jump in and they pick him up. The guy's paralyzed from the neck down for the rest of his life. Like, wow. It's just, yeah, you know, Vince Lombardi said it best. You got to play every play like it's your last. And, you know, you can apply that to every second of your life because you never know what's going to randomly happen that can take away any of the the gifts that we have the opportunity to be using. You know, it's, it's wild. And when you're an athlete, you know, you have a limited shelf life as it is. And then to have something like that, that you're going to have long-term ramifications. It's just, it's sad to see, but at the same time, you know, there's a lot of good that's going to come out of this foundation. And it's really good Mm -hmm. that you're supporting a cause like this. And hopefully we can take a bad incident like that and good people like yourself, create some awareness, get some money behind some projects. And who knows, maybe injuries like this won't, won't be, won't be uh, lifelong problems to deal with not too long in the future. Exactly. That's that's the plan. That's the hope. Yeah, it's amazing what they do now. I mean, I, I see people going down to Costa Rica and getting stem cells to repair knees and shoulders. I mean, it's an, mm. it's it's amazing where we're at and where it's going. But you know, that's the that's the future. We'll see what happens. So bringing that back, so you're talking about. Uh, Escape me if I use the wrong terms here. You say it's senior day, that's a showcase, or is there another name for it, or was that it? It's called Pro Day. Pro Day, okay. Yeah. So you're done with your career at Rutgers, and now you're trying to make it onto the next level. Exactly. Okay. What got, So let's let's backtrack and get ourselves to that. So we kind of know where we're at and what we're doing. Um, take me back a, a little bit with your career. You're not from New Jersey. Where Where are you originally from? I was born and raised in uh, Lexington, Kentucky. I uh, went to school at Lexington Catholic High School for any of the listeners that are familiar with the area. Um, once graduating, I decided to take a full scholarship to the University of Louisville, in which I redshirted my first year and then played the next three years. Um, I had a lot of success at, uh, at Louisville. Um, I played in a lot of games, started quite a few games. Um, my redshirt sophomore year, I actually split time with Lamar Jackson, who, you know, ended up winning the Heisman Trophy a year ago, and that kind of what led me to the departure from the University of Louisville, and you know, brought me to New Jersey. Um, I love the University of Louisville. Um, I don't regret anything that happened there. I'm thankful for all the opportunities that they gave me. Um, I had a blast. It was a great college experience, but you know, sometimes. Doors close and other ones open, so you got to move on, and that's what I did. And I decided that uh, Rutgers was the best opportunity for me in taking that next step and trying to make it to the NFL. How much uh, of a risk is it for you as a college athlete in the middle of your collegiate career to decide to switch schools? Um, it's a huge risk because you know you've built such a, a great foundation at the program you're at you don't know how they're going to react to it you don't know how the fans are going to react you don't know if everything you've built up to that point is going to withstand or are people going to be left with a bad taste in their mouth luckily for me i had a ton of support from coach petrino and my teammates and also the community of louisville so um when i left there it was 
it wasn't easy in terms of emotion, but it was very easy in terms of just knowing that I have a bunch of supporters in the community and around that area. It sounds pretty clear cut. You know, you have your own aspirations and you had a talent in front of you that wasn't really giving you the opportunity to showcase your skills. It sounds like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, I never thought that the guy coming in behind me was going to be arguably one of the best quarterbacks in college history and win the, the Heisman. <laughs> um, but, you know, he's a, he's a great guy, and he deserves every accolade that he received. Um, we were real close on that team. Uh, I like to say that I helped him develop his knowledge, and he helped me develop my, my skills and technique throughout the whole entire process. So, you know, we were very supportive of each other when I was playing and vice versa when he was playing. So, I mean. So you got this opportunity now. You come to New Jersey, you come up to Rutgers, and and how did that work out? Um, The summer was great. Uh, I really dug into learning the playbook. Um, It was kind of a different situation because along with me coming in, we had a bunch of transfers. Um, We had a new offensive coordinator, some coaching changes. So a lot of people were just kind of getting acclimated to the university and everything. Um, but the summer went great. Uh, I was there. I developed a lot of relationships with the players. Uh, I ended up winning the starting job throughout camp, and I was named a team captain, which, you know, to my surprise was was crazy because I was only there for two months. And for me to be able to engage with my teammates at the the way I did and be able to earn their respect enough to, you know, assign me a captain. As after yeah, only so you're pretty much months. coming out of nowhere on that one. So you're, you're coming yeah. from another school, coming to another environment with a bunch of guys that sounds like you've been playing for a while. You're the new guy on the block. I mean, you had to do more than throw the ball well. You had to be a solid leader throughout the process for mm-hmm. anybody to give you that position. Exactly. That's what I wanted to do. You know, I wanted to come in there and I wanted to lead by example. You know, the guys that wanted to be successful would notice that and follow me. And once, you know, a few guys bought into what I was preaching and what I was doing, a couple other guys would keep would, would buy in and then so on and so forth. And eventually you have the whole offense bought in and then you have the whole defense bought in. And eventually we just come, become a huge team. And that's what happened through throughout uh, camp. And I guess it's just a testament to the fact that, you know, like, peers elected me team captain after only being there for two months that's great that's that that's a pretty wild story there you don't hear that quite often so now you get into the season and and take me into like the next step how are you how are you rounding out your scholastic career as an athlete um to be completely honest it didn't go the way i wanted to or that i had envisioned um you know i worked my my butt off um, the whole entire summer, I felt like I was extremely prepared going into the season. Um, but we just started off slow, and we just weren't finding the right groove and the right rhythm. You know, I was making mistakes left, uh, late in, in the game. Um, we just weren't getting much movement on the offensive side of the ball and put a lot of stress on the defense to where they were forced to make big plays throughout the whole entire game, and we just weren't racking up any Ws. And, you know, later on in the season – we wanted to make it make a, a change, make a decision on what we were going to do with our offense, and we went to uh, we decided to run the ball more. You know, I'm more of a passing quarterback. Uh, I'm not a big runner, 
And going into the second half of the season, we thought that the best thing for the offense would be to establish a run game from the line of scrimmage, whether it be with the running backs or the quarterback. So they made a change to go with a guy who's a little more mobile. And uh, we had some success later on in the um, Big Ten uh, play. And we finished the season with, I think, four wins. Uh, it wasn't the season that we all expected, and it definitely wasn't the season that I expected, um, you know, transferring into Rutgers. But I learned a lot from it. And what was the challenge, though? What 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 was the the main hurdle that you see? Um, I just think we didn't have an identity, to be completely honest. You know, I think that uh, the coaches saw what I was talented with, and that was the passing game. And, you know, the passing game just wasn't clicking on all cylinders and it was putting us in difficult positions. And then we tried to run the ball and our running game wasn't um, working. And then we just kind of lost focus on who we were and what our identity was as an offense. Um, And then we had to go into the bye week and figure out what that was. And since we had a lot of young guys um, on the outside at receiver, so we just decided that the best thing for us to do for the remainder of the season would be to establish a run game and get that that going, and then hopefully it would develop in, into a better passing game. Um, Sounds like you had an experience problem for all of you. It, it, I mean, you're coming in as a as a senior, but at the same time, you're new to the program, and it sounds like you've got some other young guys, and you guys didn't really get a lot of time to play together to really develop. You know, a lot of these teams, you see a quarterback comes in, it takes a couple of years for them to really get the team mm-hmm. to fire on all cylinders and get the coaches and everybody in line. Yeah, it was. I mean, you know, Coach Kill came in, and he, you know, he's a great, great, great coach at uh, Minnesota, but was suffering some um, some health issues. And, you know, that kind of just put us in a, in a difficult position throughout the year because, you know, here we are. We got this great coach that everybody loves and respects, and we see the pain that he's going through and the, the challenges that he's dealing with. And I just think that that affected a lot of us in a, an emotional and mental way and caused a little bit of unfocus from what we were trying to do. And, you know, we wanted to pull for him and, you know, come together for him. It just was a tough process because of the fact that, you know, he was the play caller and the offensive coordinator and then having – you know, to help him cope with what he was going through as an offense. It just seemed like, that. you know, there's a lot of things that were just not clicking together at the times we needed them to click at. So, you know, it's, it's, your situation is, is, a, is very different than the one that I tend to be with, you know, for, for me, I'm a combat sports coach. I train fighters in different disciplines. Uh, you know, that the, most of the aspirations for the guys I'm working with is to get to the UFC and we are a team but it's really a team of support and a team of direction to support an athlete who's doing the primary work. And the one thing for us is, you know, our guy gets locked in that cage against another human being and we can call things out. He has to ask, execute he or she now at this point. There's so many women fighting in the sport too. But they have to execute, but it's really them. They're out there and they have to do the work. And with the team, you have so many moving parts on a football team and you have so many coaches and you have so much pressure from so many different directions it's it's a very different competitive experience than a lot of the things we deal with oh yeah without a doubt i mean there's there's examples that you can you can watch on film where it shows 10 guys doing exactly what they're supposed to do but if one link messes up his responsibility or messes up his job 
then you know it can ruin the whole entire play. So that, that's that's the biggest um, obstacle I think for being an athlete and playing football is that no matter how hard you work as an individual, if you don't bring people along with you and you don't make guys better around you, then you're not going to be successful. Because I can go out and throw all day long. I can become the best shape in the world and I can be the best quarterback in the world. But if I don't help my receivers develop in terms of understanding what they're doing, being a better catcher, being a better athlete, then what I do doesn't matter because I'm not going to have any success. So it really teaches you how to work alongside with other men that are, you know, sometimes say that they want to reach the same goals as you, but don't really show that action. It really helps you learn how to motivate them and get them going, get them pushed into where everybody's working together like in a clean cylinder. Man, I have this same conversation, but not having to do with football. This tends to be the same conversation I have with anybody that's struggling in life. And it's, it's one, it's, I had this, I, I did an interview last night with a good friend of mine who's a tattoo artist who has a shop. And he was talking about, hey, the success in my business, it's all relationships. And I was talking to another friend of mine who's a physical therapist and comes down to relationships and everyone. It doesn't matter what they do. My father played competitive football. My father was drafted by the Giants back in 1973. Um, but my father took his sports experience and went into finance and, uh, you know, he taught young men how to be successful stockbrokers and develop teams and uh, sports, the challenge of it, the process of working with other people. It's all relationship based. And I don't care what you do, as long as you're doing something that that has a positive goal and there's some pressure, you're going to find that relationships are the thing that gets you through once you get beyond your own stuff. Like you, you have to you have to have your own personal drive and your own desires and you have to have the hustle and all that. But you can never do anything all by yourself. You're always relying on other people to achieve the greater goals. And oh, that, exactly. that's one of the, the beautiful things about football when done well. And you, you know, you speak you're you're very humble in the way you speak about the process in the game and uh I, I can see what a lot of things here. A lot of your career and where you're going next is depending upon you know, what people saw as your experience with that team. And, you mm-hmm. you know, it sounds that your team respected you and you guys came together. You didn't get the results you want. And so what does that mean for you now in the next round? Because you're sitting here now. You obviously have aspirations to go on to the next level. So how do you achieve that? Um, you know, and that, that was really uh, an obstacle, probably one of the most difficult obstacles that I faced, um, you know, really in my whole entire life in terms of football. You know, I've, I've torn my ACL before, and, you know, I looked at that as like, okay, it happened, now what? You know, tomorrow I get better, and I just keep working, and it's going to build my character. But going through the situation that I went through um, at Rutgers and not, you know, living up to what I wanted this experience to be, I didn't know if I wanted to continue playing football or if I wanted to get into coaching. And the way I say that doesn't really give it justice because I've always wanted to play football. I've always wanted to be a football player. I've always wanted to play in the NFL. And I've always believed that I have the talent and the ability to do so. But when you're a quarterback and you go through all that stuff, you have, it, it's very confident. Or confidence, um, I guess, is the key word that you need to be a successful quarterback. And sometimes you need a little bit of, a t- of time to get away. So when I got done with Rutgers, I went back home and I just evaluated what I wanted to do with my future. Did I want to continue, you know, chasing this, this lifetime goal and dream or did I want to move on to a, the next chapter in my life? And 
I just needed t time to get away. And once I got away and spoke with my family and, you know, I guess just got away from the game and, and let the stress release and the pressure from my shoulders release, you know, I realized that, you know, football is my love and football is what I want to do. And, you know, I, I, I truly believe that I have every opportunity in the world to be an NFL quarterback. I think that sometimes in life you face certain situations that, you know, you don't get to showcase the best you and all you need is maybe a new ch new chance or another start or, you know, just maybe a little change and the best you can come out. Uh, you know, you see that a lot of times with the NFL, like what causes one quarterback or one fighter or, you know, one team that has a bad year or a bad match or a bad game and they turn into a world beater the next match or the next game or the next season. I just think that, you know, there's different situations that play play part in that. And I think that if I find the right situation at in the next level, then, you know, I can be a very, very good addition to an NFL organization. Hey, you know, one thing people forget, and it kind of goes to the point you're speaking of, is that, you know, when I say Babe Ruth, 99.9% .9 of the people in the world say, oh, yeah, he hit a lot of home runs. But the one thing they don't realize a lot of times is that he had the strikeout record simultaneously. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, to be a champ, you don't have to win every game. You just have to win the championship game. <laughs> yeah, know? exactly. So, given the right opportunity, you know, hopefully you'll, you'll, you'll get the look you need to get you that opportunity. And that goes back to, so, I know Mike Selly, who's an agent. And how, how important is someone like Mike in the position you're in? Um, he's extremely important because he knows the stuff that I'm not familiar with it at this time. You know, I want to I want to work with him and familiarize myself better as, you know, we grow in relationship and also, you know, throughout my uh I guess my story into the NFL. Um but, you know, having him and being able to trust him is is great because a lot of times you meet agents that kind of just tell you what you want to hear. Um they want to do what's best for them, what's best to boost their career. And since he's had a successful career and he's, you know, established, you know, he's doing this now because he wants to help people. And, and I naturally believe that every time he speaks to me, he speaks to me with truth and respect and honesty. And, you know, I can't respect him. I can't thank him enough for that because I know and I hear stories of guys that, you know, agents take advantage of them. And I just don't see that coming from Mike at all. You know, ever since we met, he has always shot me straightforward, and even if it's something that I don't want to hear. And, you know, to be able to say that about your agent, I think, is, is a great thing. So I've been a, I've been in coaching for 20 years with combat sports. I've run my own facility. I've been coaching actually longer than that, but I've been running my own team for 20 years now. And it's what you're talking about with your experience through seeing other agents is the same thing I find on my end, too. I I, I work with a team called Sucker Punch Entertainment. Uh, our primary guy is uh, Brian Hamper, and then there's another guy, Brian Butler, and I'm Brian Wright. It's ridiculous when, like, it's very easy for us to remember each other's name. But uh, I've got a fighter that is in the UFC now, Carl Roberson, and my experience with this management company also kind of gives me faith back in the, the system in a lot of ways because it's the same thing. They're straight shooters. Uh, they're, they're not going to sugarcoat it. They're not going to tell you what you want to hear. They're going to tell you what you need to know. And as a coach, that's what I feel my job is. And if I'm going to work with a management company, I want them to be on the, 
the same path. I mean, honesty and transparency, these are the things we need. That's what gets us really prepared. And when you're talking about taking on a hard challenge and I'm, you know, and we're not going to sugarcoat your sitch, you're in a you're in a you're in a difficult spot. It's not an impossible spot. You're just in a spot where, you know, you got to get that shot and, you know, you really you you got to go hard for it, but you need real people around you because you have to be prepared. You got to be ready exactly. to go when the opportunity's there, and you've got to trust that the people around you are a are going to be able to get you that opportunity, and that they're going to know you to give you the one that's going to be best. And you know, I I know Mike personally, and I can agree with you. And it's the reason why we're talking is because I found I found him to be the same way. And uh, yeah, my my biggest advice to anybody that's trying to navigate these waters is find that person that is the you know, someone that's proven leadership, someone that you can develop trust with, you know, it's going to take time because you're going to have to work together on it, but definitely find somebody that's going to be able to allow you to focus on what you do best and then give you the opportunity to do that in a way that works for everybody. You know, it's, it's such a dirty business out there because again, it's there, there's money, there's fame, there's exposure, there's opportunity on so many different levels. And you get a lot of guys that, you know, they want to ride the careers of multiple young people and squeeze whatever they can out of it, and they just want to use you. And mm-hmm. uh, I don't understand that because it's just long term. It's just a it's a losing game. Mm-hmm. I think that the more we can care about the people that we're working with, the more long term relationships we can generate, the easier it's going to be to constantly get more athletes and at the end of the day, when I look back, I want to think I did more good than I did harm. If I have a big bank account and everybody hates me, I don't think I did a good job. That's exactly right. And I just think nowadays that we're so obsessed with instant gratification that instead of looking at the bigger picture and seeing that, okay, if I make the right decision here, it's going to benefit me in 10 years. But if I make the wrong decision here, it might benefit me for three years, but in five years, I'm going to be hurting. And I think that's the the, the problem with a lot of people in my generation um, are having is that they're you know they're making those decisions that make them feel good at this exact moment, but really are the wrong decisions down the road. It's funny. I I hear this a lot, and I hear people. I how old are you? Uh, I just turned twenty four. Okay, I'm forty three. I'll be forty four next week. I say I said the same thing when I was your age. I don't think there's a millennium problem millennial problem i think it's just it's a youth issue i mean socrates mm-hmm. said it socrates said their hair's too long their togas are too loose and their 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 language is uh i forget the term he used but he was basically saying the youth of his time you know was different than him and he didn't like it it's just the way it goes uh i think the speed of communication and the the uh, uh, amount of temptation out there is a little bit different today, but I think mm. the desire has always been the same, and I think the struggle's always been the same. I think if you talk to any long-term coach, they're going to tell you it's it's the same crop of challenges every time, just a different arena that we deal with it. Exactly. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm a believer in God, and I've always said that I think that God's uh, played his dirtiest trick on uh, the youth making people without wisdom make the most important decisions uh, of their life at a young age. <laughs> I wish we could start when we were 70 and work our way back now. Yeah, that, that, yeah, you know, the, it's, that's the old statement too. Youth is wasted on the young. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's a challenge. But, I mean, it, you, you're definitely grounded in your approach to this. I, I feel like I'm talking to a coach in a lot of ways when, when I'm speaking with you here, and that goes to show the maturity that you have in the game. And I think uh, I think your humility 
speaks beyond your years. And I think that ultimately is what's going to give you your shot. So what are you doing to get that shot? What's your, what's now? Because now you're not, you're not, you know, quarterback or Rutgers. You're now technically, what are you, a free agent technically? Yeah, I'm just an NFL draft prospect. And then um, after the NFL draft will determine if I get drafted, I'll obviously be a, um, a drafted rookie. Um, if not, then I'll be a free agent with opportunity to sign uh, with any team that you know I feel is the best opportunity for me. So, what do you do now? Like, what what's your existence looking like now? How do you put together the best you to get ready for the next chapter to give that good look? Well, throw away your ego. I think that's the first thing you got to do. Um, I think you got to go into this process understanding that there's people out there that know a lot more than you do and that's what I try to do so I went to test uh, football academy and I listened to everything that you know my trainers Kevin Dunn uh, Garrett Goodmanson and coach Skip everything that they told me um, how to make me faster how to make me stronger how to make me quicker how to make me jump higher and a lot of it's shown I've you know increased in all my uh, events within the four to five weeks that I've been there um, I've been eating right. I'm, I was on a meal plan that uh, Mike put me on with uh, Fuel for Life, and I've dropped from 17% body fat to 11% body fat. Damn. And Fuel for Life, what is that? It's basically a meal prepping company, so they just monitor your nutrition. And Yeah, they, I do that. We have we use meal plans to go, and then I have other athletes that eat, use Eat Clean Bro. Mm-hmm. Similar stuff. It's, it's yeah. all similar that stuff. Makes your life so much easier when you don't have to think about it. Oh, un- unbelievably! Because I mean, you just don't know what to buy. It's hard to go to the grocery store. Um, healthy things are so expensive. Well, I'll tell you how crazy it gets. Your 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 sitch. You know, um, being your your body fat is an issue. But if your body fat's too high, they're not going to tell you you can't play. Where us, we have to make weight, and so mm-hmm. like Carl Roberson. And I have another guy I work with, Corey Anderson. The UFC has a training center out in Las Vegas. I'm literally I'm going to Vegas on Saturday because we're we've got a fight coming up in May. We're going to go out to the training center, and they put Carl through the program where they basically they they scan his body and they tell him where everything's at. They literally tell you this is what your bones weigh, your organs, your skin, your hair, your muscle, your fat. They tell you what everything weighs, and then they say, okay, now we're going to put a diet together that's going to get your composition in line so you can make your weight class more safe. And then they put together a binder that says these are the workouts you have to do and another binder that you pair with it. So if you do workout A, you eat meal A. If you do workout B, you eat meal B. And they give you how much time ever you've got for the fight. So we usually go in a six to a nine-week cycle. And you go out there. They test everything. They give you the plan. And then you roll in on fight week. You make weight. You rehydrate. You know, So you'll come in. You'll make weight. And then you can literally step into the octagon 15 to 20 pounds heavier, completely safe haven't had to kill yourself, but they've got it down to a science and oh, wow. having that kind of support behind you. It's just changed the way that we have the ability to perform. So if you have a good team that has the ability to show you how to meal prep and to what's the best way to do what it is you do, I don't care if it's throwing a football or throwing a punch. If you have a team to support that and you're not taking advantage of it, you're a fool. Cause if you really want to be at an elite level, got to go with the people with the experience and you got to pay attention 
I completely agree. And you got to make those sacrifices. You know, I mean, there's a ton of sacrifices that you, you you know, you have to make to be successful. And that's something that I learned at a young age. Um, you know, I, I, I had a lot of attention um, in my youth uh, in high school. And, you know, I realized that I couldn't do all the things that, you know, my friends were doing because I was getting looked at by colleges. And I understood that if I got any trouble, that my name would carry a lot more weight than, you know, my friends would. And just understanding that at a young age really developed me and, you know, helped shape my character and helped shape my, um, I guess, my mental toughness to where, you know, I can go home and eat like crap crappy foods and then come out here and understand what I'm what the mission I'm on and you know stick to strictly what they want me to do and what and how they want me to do it and aside from all that you know it's yeah uh, yeah I'm a quarterback so I need to be able to move a little bit and I need to be a little bit uh I need to be kind of strong but at the end of the day you know I gotta be able to throw the football and uh, I met Tony Lassiope who's a local uh, quarterback coach around the area. And, you know, he's just the greatest guy that, you know, I've ever met. Like he's, he has helped me so much um, just from a confidence level. Um, we've really changed my whole entire fundamentals throwing the football. I mean, I had a lot of success with my old style, but I wasn't as consistent as I wanted to be. And I wasn't throwing the ball as hard as I could. And, you know, what he's taught me to do, he's taught me to really uh, understand that, you know, balance in your throw comes from your feet, power comes from your hips, and your accuracy comes from your shoulders. So learning all that through this process has helped me um, a tremendous amount in terms of just being a better quarterback when it comes to, you know, fundamentally sound throwing the football. It's funny. You sound like you just you just described what I have to do with 90% of the people that I'm teaching out of it to throw a kick or a punch more effectively. I don't care what you do. It, the body mechanics are body mechanics. We use mm -hmm. our body the same way, just different arenas. You want to throw mm -hmm. a punch, exactly. you still have to maximize its speed, its balance, it's all the things you're talking about, and the mental side of it. What I find the, the best part of focusing on the fundamentals is that's where the confidence comes from. Being mm -hmm. able to do flashy stuff doesn't really matter. Because, uh, I mean, you can, you can hit – weird plays but at the end of the day when you know when you're dog tired or you've gotten your bell rung you know you get sacked really hard you know that you can get back up and you can do your fundamentals in your sleep that's the confidence when exactly. you know when i say i i just said this to a guy yesterday i've got a guy with a fight coming up and he's actually a little bit under the weather and he's kind of freaking out and i said well now we're going to find out what you really got because if you can be the best on your worst day when you're on your best day how good can you uh, just think how good you could be. So you got to train to be your best at your worst. And that means you've got to have solid fundamentals. So when, when your focus may be going, the confidence is still there. And, you know, you've, you've worked those fundamentals so much that they just happen. Yeah. There's uh there's a, there's a funny story that um, kind of like portrays into, into what we're talking about here. Um, so this guy came in, he worked for the uh, Navy SEALs, and I don't know how much truth there is to this story, but um, I'm just going to believe it. And, you know, they're sitting in a Navy SEALs training, and a question came up, and they asked the, asked the people, and they said, uh, what happens if you meet one of these huge snakes in the, the jungle? And he said, what you have to do is you have to lay straight down on your back you have to pull out your your blade your knife and you have to put it in between your legs straight down your legs 
and you have to basically let the snake swallow you. And once you're swallowed, you bring the knife up and you stick it through his, its head and you, and you kill the snake. And so this guy apparently went out into the jungle and, you know, here, here he comes, he's facing this huge snake. And instead of running away, like, you know, everybody that in the right mind probably would have done, he trusted his training, he trusted his fundamentals, and he laid down there, he put the knife in between his legs, and he let the snake basically engulf him, and he lived to tell a story. Now, that's something that my coach told us about, and I don't know how much truth there is to it, but it's a pretty interesting story because, you know, there's always going to be an opportunity and always going to be a situation where, you know, you don't necessarily know what to do, and you just have to rely on your training and your skills. Yeah, the right thing's always going to be the right thing, no matter what it is. You got to do it if you want to. If you want to be successful, you got to do the right thing. You know, uh, I I call it the. It's funny. There's a lot of things that are counterintuitive in how the body works and the brain works. There's there's the brain tries to play tricks on us when we're starting to, to feel pain from fatigue. Our our body does everything it can to make us quit because it doesn't want us to feel any more pain. But if you push through that, then our body starts to release all the chemicals that allow us to actually perform under pain without feeling it. We get more energy and we get more focus and the body really will excel. But it, the body will try and trick you, but it will oh, yeah. reward you if you pass the test. And that's that's the that initial, you know, well, I'll go with your snake analogy. When the snake's coming, if you run... It, it's not going to work out well for you, but if you stay the course and do what you have to do, you're going to be able to succeed. And that's, that's again, that's, that's where really believing in the coaching and the training. And then you don't even have to worry about the coaching and the training after you get the experience, because you're not believing somebody else. You're believing your own experience at that point. So the more you can do this, the more you can hammer away at those fundamentals, the more you can put yourself in a bad position, the more trials you can put your body through, the more tests you can have your, your brain have to solve there that's when the confidence and the experience comes together. And that's when you become that world beater instead of that guy who's struggling. Mm -hmm. And it's just, but you've got to have the confidence. You, you gotta, you gotta have it in you to go for it. You got it. Mm -hmm. And it, I heard you say before I had to take some time off. That's one of the healthier things anybody can do to find out if they really want to do something, mm -hmm. you step away. And if you miss it, and if you feel like you know a PCU is not there anymore, when you go back, you're going to appreciate it differently, and you're going to again the confidence of knowing you're doing what you really want to do because you tested it. It's really important. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's that's how college uh, athletics is. I mean, my f five years of playing college football went by in the snap of a finger, and I think it's because we're on such a routine every single day. Like you, you may get a week off from uh, for spring break, or you may get a couple days off after the season, or you may get a couple days off before the summer starts. But I mean, it's basically the same thing every day. You wake up, you go lift, you go to class, you go to meetings, you come back, you go to sleep, and you do the same thing over and over again. And I think that when you just get so engulfed in that schedule and that routine, you know, you can forget why you're doing it, why you're, you know, why, why am I doing this every single day? Why am I waking up this early? And then you got to really step back and, you know, reevaluate your emotions and your feelings and find your cause. You know, why am I doing this? Because, well, because I love this game. This is something I've been doing my whole entire life. Because a lot of times as you get older, it takes the fun away. You know, everything oh, just absolutely. gets so, it comes so, to job. yeah, it comes a job and it, it becomes 
so important and money's involved and people are in it for the wrong reasons and you know sometimes how their their feelings can rub off on on other people and you know from a personal standpoint you just gotta you know take a step back and that's what i had to do uh this winter you know take a step back get back to see my family that i haven't seen in so long hang out with my friends you know just shoot the shit with some people and talk about life and talk about futures and you know when you do that you really start to develop you know that love for the game that you had and you, you can really re-motivate yourself and it's funny you brought up the money thing and the one thing i can say 20 years down the road from where you are the times that i focused on money is when i made the least and mm-hmm. the times that I focused on my craft, I made the most. It was almost surprising how well I would do when I would just focus on the job at hand. When I would do the job with a specific goal of trying to make something beyond my craft, that's when things got weird. When I just focused on the task at hand, focused on doing it really well, the rewards were there because the money's attracted to the opportunity your skills brings for it and that's why if you want to make it you don't want to worry about how much money they're going to pay you to do it right now that's what your agent's for Mm -hmm. you just have to you just have to keep loving the game because that's what's gonna when all the other guys are freaking out about you know what round how much all that you're just happy to be on the field getting in getting getting a shot at it you know exactly exactly i mean i don't know if you have noticed yet but i'm a big quote guy and you know this is a perfect (laughs) time for me to uh (laughs) give you another one of my quotes um but it's one of my favorite actually it's it's it says see a little see a lot see a lot see nothing and how i interpret that is when you're focusing on a small thing so for instance if you're focusing on just playing football then the money will come the fame will come the all the outside things will come and eventually before you know it you'll see all that stuff but you are focused on the smaller picture now, if you're focused on the money, the cars, the fame, and all that other stuff, then you're not going to see any of it. You're not going to see any of it because you're going to forget about what's going to get you there. And I just like to always play that in my head before I do anything and just kind of remember that, that you know, you got to always stay focused on, on the smaller things, the details. Yeah, you know, there's, there's a, I teach... I teach people in business. Uh, I, have a, I do some business consulting as well with help people get their stuff right. Uh, one of the things I, I, I get people to understand, there's two ways to look at things. There's finite and then there's infinite. And one of the big problems you get with people is that they have to win every single moment of the day. And it's always this immediate one inch in front of my face struggle. And that doesn't last. And you don't really acquire... You know, you don't you don't develop a stable base to create a future off of. But if you take an infinite mindset, you understand that the decisions that you make today, how, they are the ones that have to be made to allow you to do this forever, not just today, not just this moment. So you've got to look at those finer points and say, okay, is this just good for right now, or is this going to be putting me in a position where I'm going to be able to get what I want forever? Mm-hmm. And, and that's really important when when you're in this position and it takes the pressure off too, because it, it's not an excuse to not do things, but it takes the pressure off your actions and it lets you think a little bit deeper about what you're doing. So you get a little bit more meaning in that why, and that really does help. And I, you know, it, as, as a high pressure athlete, the most important thing you can do is learn how to navigate that pressure and 
you know, make sure it doesn't get in the way of performance. It becomes fuel instead of an obstacle. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, exactly there's right. there's so many things in in sport that come across. I mean, I I I see a future for you in uh, no matter where you where this next step goes for you. I, I see you have an opportunity to work with people because you have a really strong message and you've learned a lot from your career. And I think it really will give you the opportunity to get that shot. Uh, I don't. There's not too many coaches that are going to shy away from somebody that's coming in that's that's grounded like this, and the influence that you can bring on the people around you is solid too. So um, you're you're making a fan out of me in this conversation. Well, thank you so much. It means the world world to me. You know the the uh, the next step. You know the confidence factor for you is going to be really important. And um, how? How gritty do you get in this? Because you're you're a very grounded person here. Where where's the fire point for you? When when are when are when's the emotion get involved? Um, well, I mean, I'm I'm extremely competitive. I mean, I know that it may seem that I'm grounded and I'm humbled, but when I I step on the field and even when I step in the weight room or just any anything that I that I feel like is a competitive, uh, you know, situation, you know, that's when my confidence over flows and i've always been really good on controlling my emotions and you know not making decisions in haste um so i've just been able to control it so i'm able to you know take a step back and understand that okay right now i can't be i can't lose my mind right now because we're about to go out uh the final drive of the game and i have to have be composed but you know every time i step on the field i feel like that i can make every single throw i can make every single play and you know i i, I feel like i bring out the best in in my teammates and, and the guys around me um, i don't think there could ever be a time where i've stepped in the huddle and someone may not have felt like it, that i was not confident in what we were about to do or that i didn't want to be there um so i guess just you know when people see me out here competing especially in pro day they'll see um, how focused in i am um, it's just it's just different, you know. I'm I'm very outgoing. I'm very um, friendly and respectful to people outside of that that area. But when you know when we get it, when we cross those lines and step onto that football field, it's just a, a different story. And you got to be a warrior. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you this, because this is something I'm thinking about as because the team being I mean being a quarterback, you're you're a general, but you're also a, a war fighter too. Mm-hmm. You've got a you you don't just tell people what to do. You're the leader, but you got to pull the trigger. Mm-hmm. So the it, to me from the outside, when I see a lot of the tests and the challenges that they're evaluating people with right now, it's so much individual based stuff. Mm-hmm. What where where does the 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 general aspect of it get tested by these teams? Where where does your ability to lead people come across. Is that your career? They're going to test you for your physical stuff now. They'll see you throw the ball. They'll see you jump and run and lift and do all that. And then are they going back and looking at your history to figure that the other stuff out? Honestly, I think it has to do with, you know, someone like you, for instance, like you, you're, you may not be the greatest example right now because you don't know me too well, but it's just basically them going into the football facility and saying, you know, how, do, how does Kyle act in the training room? You know, is he respectful to you? Did, did he do what he was asked? How do you, how do you act in the, in the weight room? Oh, well, he came in every single day. He was on time. Um, he gave 110% uh, when we were doing failure drills. You know, he was always there supporting other, other guys and helping them, uh, doing extra things to, 
to push other guys along. You know, they asked the coaches, like, how was his attitude during practice? You know, were there ever days that he came out and seemed like he didn't want to be there? No, he came out every single day. He, he brought enthusiasm. Um, he was always supportive of his players, even when he wasn't getting reps. And, you know, eventually, if they ask as many people as that, because there's a lot of different areas in the football team, especially at Louisville and at Rutgers, when they go back and ask all these guys, you know, what's, what's Kyle's character like on the field and off the field? And when they hear the same answers over and over and over again, they start to have an idea. Okay, why was this kid elect, elected? a team captain at Rutgers after being there for two months. Why did he receive almost uh, or a majority of the vote, votes when they were voting for team captains at Louisville? I mean, I was the backup quarterback at Louisville the year that Lamar um, won the Heisman, and I still received a bunch of uh, captain votes. Now, I didn't receive the top four, obviously, because there was four guys elected, but um, I think I was pretty high up there with, with – the um, captain ballots. So I just think that, you know, they, they hear those things, they get told those things. And, you know, when they start speaking to people and people start speaking on my character and, you know, how I treat people and just my demeanor on and off the field, they put two and two together and they understand, okay, this guy could walk into a NFL locker room and take control or, you know, buy into the team. The team will buy into him. And there's other guys that may not be able to do that, but they may be able to throw the ball 80 yards, or they may be able to run a 4, 340. So it just really depends on the scouts and the GMs and the head coaches what kind of quarterbacks they want. Do they want a guy that, you know, will do all the right things and motivate their team and be a field general like Tom Brady, or, you know, do they want something else? What Do you have a, do you have a team that you look at and, and you say, wow, I think I would be a great fit there? Um. You know, I've, I've always been a huge, huge fan of Tom Brady. I think that our story from in college is very similar, um, just from, you know, playing and being successful. I'll, let me just put this as well. I think that our, my career at Louisville was very similar to his career at Michigan. And just hearing his story and, and seeing the chip on his shoulder and him not being the most athletically gifted guy, but, you know, being the hardest worker and the most prepared and now him being one of the arguably one of the best quarterbacks and football players to ever play the game um just seeing how he plays the game i feel like our often like his offense would be very beneficial to the type of quarterback that i am so just seeing how him and bill belichick and the patriots run their organization and you know the offensive style that they run i feel like that i would fit in great but then there's also a ton of different other NFL organizations that are very similar to that. They just haven't found their Tom Brady. And who knows, yeah. I, I could be their Tom Brady or, you know, their Kyle Bolin. So, you know, right now I'm open to any team that will give me an opportunity to showcase, you know, the gifts that God gave me. And, you know, right now I'm just putting my head down and grinding and doing everything I can to get myself as best prepared as possible. What – where where was your aspiration coming up? Who were you looking to? Who were you looking to for inspiration? Like who were who? I mean, was it football? Was there other people? What what where was the you know the motivation coming from? Who when you were when you needed a little kick in the ass? Who were you looking to? Probably my little brother. Um, his name's Clay. He uh, actually plays quarterback at Louisville right now. Um, he's wow. on the football team, and you know just seeing the tough. Um, road that he went on through his recruiting um you know luckily for me i went to a high school that was you know really good very popular there was no other quarterbacks 
that I had to compete with. You know, I started there for three years. Um, you know, I, I was six two and a half, six three. I was getting recruited at a young age. I got a scholarship, and then seeing him, you know, he was he wanted to go to Lexington Catholic, but there was a kid that was in front of him that was the starter before he even got to high school. So he had a transfer, and then didn't work out there. He got injured and lost his job. Um, you know, then he goes to Paris and rewrites all the record books that they have, but him only being six one, a lot of the universities were like, okay, you're our second guy. Um, if our first guy doesn't commit, then we're going to offer you a scholarship and we want you to come play for us. And unfortunately all their first guys committed. And then the smaller schools were like, well, we don't, we don't want you to scare away our guys that we're offering right now. So, you know, we're not going to offer you because we know you're going to go to a bigger school. And then him just caught in a situation where he got nowhere to go and then ends up going to a smaller school and then transfers to Louisville and walks on. He's just been through so much, and he's such a hard worker and he's such a good, talented quarterback that, you know, just the way that he our relationship is is just unbelievable. I mean, he's been nothing but supportive of me. I remember when he was in high school and I was in college, you know, anytime someone said a negative tweet about me, you know, he was calling him out on it. Like, his just support for me has, you know, been unbelievable and sometimes the younger brother kind of has a little bit of jealousy and you know he never had that he's been my biggest fan and my biggest supporter for as long as I can remember and because of that you know we have such a, a close bond and such a great relationship and he's definitely been my inspiration that's cool I I mean that was not an answer I was expecting and you know it, it just I that you know when you have it internally like that with family that's a that's a special inspiration and it's something that you know will never waver that you know you just got a that's a strong vein of uh of energy you got there for for support so that's really good mm-hmm. um yeah that so well, your brother's career uh is he on the same trajectory as you um well he's you know he's gonna. There's obviously a um, a quarterback position opening at Louisville um, now that Lamar Jackson has declared for the draft. Um, he's currently a walk-on right now. Um, so you know if he gets the opportunity uh, to compete for that position, I know he'll do well. Um, so right now he's just focusing on you know getting becoming the best quarterback he can in his situation, but also uh, graduating. Um, he'll graduate in December with two years of, of eligibility. So depending on what he wants to do, he'll have uh, many options. So right now I'm just doing the best I can to support him and keep his his hopes high and, you know, his mood excited because I know how it is, man. I've, I've been there where you're, you know, at the bottom of the depth chart and you don't know what's going to happen in your future and you just got to stay positive, so. I tell this story quite a bit on this podcast because it's my guy, but Carl Roberson, his story, you know, talk about being in the depths of it and coming out of nowhere. This kid literally coming out of Neptune, New Jersey, out of nowhere. We get a phone call. Do you want to fight in France? We hop on a plane, fly to France within 24 hours of the phone call, fight a guy with over 100 fights, drop the guy on his butt. Uh, The referees kind of screw us. They screw us on a decision. Leads to us getting a contract in Glory Kickboxing, which is the largest kickboxing organization in the world. Carl's developing at this point, but he goes literally from an amateur career to the the Super Bowl for, for us in our business. And then 
fights two fights, loses the fights. Uh, they were tough, but he splits his bicep completely in half. He didn't pull it off the bone. The bicep split in half oh, wow. the muscle. And so they have to put some wires in his arm. They thread that back together, and then his arm gets put on his chest for six to nine months. He can't move his arm. Doctor says you're going to get about 80% of your movement back. Everybody says your career is over. The phone stops ringing. You know, it's over. The minute he can move his arm, he's back in the gym. Within a month, he's like, I'm ready to go. We start looking for a fight. We get two fights back. We get this shot at what they call the contender series for the UFC. You fight in front of the brass of the UFC. If you if you do well, there's a possibility you get a contract. Carl goes out, knocks the guy out in 15 seconds, and gets a contract in the UFC. A couple months later, rolls into his first UFC fight, wins that fight. Now we've got his second fight coming up in May. We're going to Rio to take a guy who's in the top 15. So literally in about a year, goes from no job, no prospects, Massive surgery. Everyone's saying life is over to he's in the largest organization in the world, getting ready to get break into the top 15 of talent. So whenever you get that feeling that, you know, it's hard, somebody's got it harder. Mm-hmm. And if you stay the course and you believe in yourself and you keep putting yourself out there and you know you've got that talent, you can wake the world up to it if you really have that talent. You just got to stay the course on it. You you you, you got to believe, and you got to make believers out of the people sitting. Because it's funny too. A lot of the people that write you off, they don't even look at you. Mm-hmm. And that was funny with Carl. We went into a room on a Saturday. There were three guys getting ready for title fights, and he knocked them all out in sparring. And the matchmaker was there with a film crew filming these guys, <laughs> and it turned into filming these guys getting ready for their fights. To who's that guy? Yeah. And that's what kind of got things moving again. So. You know, you've got to be ready. You never know when opportunity is going to knock. So you got to be knocking them out every day in the room because you never know who's watching. Oh, I mean, that's that's basically my story uh, at the beginning of Louisville. Uh, I tore my uh, meniscus going into my red shirt freshman year um, in spring ball, and I was the four-string quarterback going into the season. I didn't even travel to the first game because I only took three. Um, but to make the long story short, Throughout the season, uh, you know, injuries just kept taking place, and I kept moving up the, uh, the, depth, the depth chart. And by the time the end of the season was against my hometown and our biggest rival, the University of Kentucky, and I was a backup quarterback. And, you know, the starting quarterback goes down uh, midway through the second quarter. Uh, we're down 13-0. to I come in on third down, uh, throw one completion for a first down. The next play, I throw a touchdown. And, uh, you know, it was a crazy, crazy experience. Um, the next drive drove them down, all the way down the field. I think I ended the first two drives with like 10 for 10 with uh, two touchdowns and, you know, back in the game. And, and it ended up winning the game and finishing the game with 375 uh, passing yards and three touchdowns and a come-from-behind victory against our biggest rival. And, like, that was just unbelievable because not only was it our biggest rival, but it was my hometown team. And just looking back at the beginning of the season and being on the, on the fourth string quarterback, and then here I am being, you know. That's dream come true opportunity. Yeah, like I mean, Hollywood couldn't write a, wrote a better story. But you know what? That story gets written all the time for the guys that are ready. 
Mm-hmm. And it's exactly. not that you wrote that story by being ready. You wrote that story. Mm-hmm. That wasn't magic. That was you being prepared and making sure that you are always there because exactly. that opportunity pops up all the time. You're right. But there's so many guys that only train for the opportunities they see. You got to be ready for the one you can't see. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because that's that's the call, the scout, the weird sitch. You never know. You know, like some weird thing could happen and somebody's desperate and they give you a chance and they go from desperate to being a believer. Now you got a now you got a job. Exactly, and that's what I tell my brother all the time. He says, you know, I say, Clay, just keep your, keep your head down and keep grinding. You never know what's going to happen. So, I know that's you, man. That. That's that's your sitch right now. You mm-hmm. you you that you you gotta you gotta stay ready so you put yourself in that position. I actually would like to get you and Carl together. You're in New Jersey now, so mm-hmm. how do you like how do you like it up here? Um, I like it a lot. I mean, I haven't really been here long enough to give a you know a complete uh, synopsis synopsis of my experience. Um, but you know, it's a great area being able to, uh, go to New York, um, whenever at the time is really cool. You know, growing up in Kentucky is not necessarily as different from New Jersey. You know, believe it or not, there's actually a city there. Um, it's not just horse farms. And well, I have a friend who, I have a friend from Louisville who has a gym there called real fighters gym in Louisville. Mm-hmm. It's one of the best kickboxing gyms in the United States. And he always is laughing at me because you think we're a bunch of country hicks he goes we have a city we have cars <laughs> exactly right um so to be completely honest i'm not a huge fan of the fact that i can't make left turns here uh yeah so. yeah here two rights make a left exactly yeah. yeah you know the thing is we speak a little bit faster we curse a little bit more we get uh, a little angrier quicker it's a little different the energy's a little different but you know uh, I- i'm born and bred jersey and uh I think for me, I feel like I have a competitive edge from from the speed in which we operate in this area. Oh yeah, I mean it's even competitive on the roads. Like I've never seen so many people that would risk causing a ten car pileup just to let somebody over. Like <laughs> uh, it, it's unreal. Like you you turn your turn signal on and, and all of a sudden the car uh, jumps into sport and you know tries to cut you off. This is not a courteous state. We are not a friendly people. I I readily admit that. It's funny. I go pay tolls when I'm out of state, and the and you know you give them the money, and they say thank you, have a good day, and I'm like, damn, in New Jersey that doesn't happen. No, not at <laughs> in all. New Jersey they're looking at you like, man, I hate my job. I can't believe I got cranky. You know, it's just, yeah, it's funny. The vibe here is what it is, but that's it's it's part of the flavor of what we do. Food's uh-huh. good. Weather's great in the summer. We've got beaches. We've got mountains. We've got everything, you know? Yeah, you got gym tan laundry, too, apparently. Yeah, that's that's not my style. See, I'm I'm on the shore. We're we're different than the majority of the state. We actually are a little bit more laid back than most of the rest of the state. I could probably <laughs> start a civil war in New Jersey by continuous conversation. But True. if you come down to New Jersey Shore, not the shore, not seaside, not the Jersey Shore, MTV Shore, but... You know, I'm uh, I'm on the northern part of the New Jersey coast, and it's not as crazy touristy. It's more, you know, we're all year round people here, and it's mm-hmm. you know what is what is. What I like about here is you're all you're an hour from Philly, you're an hour from New York. Newark Airport is such so easy to get to, and you can go anywhere you want in the world. And exactly. I, I feel like we're kind of in the center of everything here, which mm-hmm. is nice. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, I, I've traveled the world uh, with my career. Uh, I've been around it a couple times at this point, and you know I always come back to New Jersey. But 
it's very easy to get out of here and it's very easy to get back here. So that, that's one of the convenient aspects. How, so when you think, when you look at everything you got going on, uh, you're here basically for the pursuit of your career. When you get into a position, you, you're hoping you can get with a team and move on to, to there, correct? Exactly. Exactly. So hopefully New Jersey will become a spot that you use as a springboard to get, you know, make some of these, some of these aspirations a reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would be uh, the first choice and where I would want to uh, uh, live just because of the, the rent. The rent here is ridiculous. <laughs> so. Yeah, everything's a little more expensive here. Yeah, so Period. when I start making a lot of money, then that'll be, that'll be a, uh, more of a, a good decision to move here rather than you know, right now. Yeah. Our taxes are horrible here. Mm-hmm. It's awful. Yeah. My father moved to Florida over it. You know, my, my, I, I'm still here, but my dad moved down to Florida cause, uh, I guess there's no state tax there. So that, 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 uh, makes it a little bit different, but yeah. So you, you're training out of test. Yes, sir. Anywhere else you're you're doing work, or is that your primary location right now? Uh, that's just the only location. Uh, anywhere else that I go, will uh, you know, is up to Tony, uh, my quarterback coach, on you know whether we go throw at you know his high school that he that he uh, teaches at, or you know if we throw um, in the Rutgers bubble. Well, when we get back from Vegas, I'm going to Vegas. When I get back, I should hook you and Carl up. You guys Hello. should definitely work out together, and you can you can kind of compare your skills physically. Um, you oh, know, yeah. Speed, bounce, and agility is what we all do. So that that, that might be a, a fun opportunity to to cross. So you can see an entry level guy into what's the NFL of our sport. You know what his capabilities mm-hmm. are, and he can see what you've got. Uh, you know, aspiring NFL athlete. I don't know about sparring with a UFC. Uh, no, fighter. we're <laughs> not going to have you spar. Well, we, do, we could put you through some uh, some of some of the the drills that we go through for the conditioning side of it. And if you want to hit a pad or something, you could. But you're you're a surgeon. You got to protect those hands. Oh so. yeah, definitely. I know that'd be a lot of fun. That'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, that that would. I I always am interested to see the different athletic abilities uh, of sports. It, mm-hmm. It's funny. I actually have a professional race car driver who trains with us and you'd be surprised. A lot of people think race car drivers, you're not thinking, you know, well fine tuned athlete, but you'd be surprised that with the coordination skills that somebody driving a, a, a car actually has too. So, Oh, I mean, hell you're going 200, 250 miles an hour around, you know, uh, a circle, you know, you make one, one bad decision and, you know, it's your life you're looking at. Yeah, and the and the mental aspect of it, and that's where doing our style of combat sports training for him elevated his game tremendously. Was just just doing the 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 MMA training really helped his mental game in terms of being able to deal with stress. Uh, you know, compartmentalizing some of the some of the issues he was coming up with under pressure. It, you know, interesting. Again, I think we all deal with the the same challenges, just different arenas. So. Yeah. Well, Mr. Bolin, I really did enjoy your story here. Uh, I, I'm anything we can do to help with with uh, it's the Legrand, it's Team Legrand. Mm-hmm. Yes, if you just follow me on Twitter uh, or Instagram at k underscore Bolin b o l i n nine, um, you'll see on my recent posts uh, everything that you need to know about uh, the completions for a cause uh, for my pro day. So. If you're able to find me on Twitter, if you wouldn't mind uh, just retweeting 
my pinned tweet. Uh, that way, to all your followers can see uh, what I'm doing here, and if they're interested in donating some money, they'll be able to figure out how to do so. Yeah, what I'll do is I'll I'll put the information up on the hivecast.com where we put the podcast. I'll also put it on killerbcsa.com for mm. the gym. And uh, yeah, I'll push it out through social. We'll definitely help you get the word out. And, you know, I, I really would like to get your story out. I think you're you're an inspiring young man with a, a lot of opportunity in front of him. And the way, you know, if you physically can back up what you're saying here, I, I feel strongly that there's going to be a coach out there who's going to see you as an asset for their program. So, you know, we, we, we are, I don't like to wish and hope and all that kind of stuff. No, yeah, I really, I try and look at it from a practical perspective. Mm -hmm. I think you've got the pieces and I say, I wish, and it's really more of, you know, I, I just want to see you keep doing the work and keep getting yourself in front of the right people because one of them is going to take notice. And you've got good people around you between Mike and you're and working at Test and your quarterback coach and all that. It, you're, you're doing all the right things. So well, thank you've you. got a very good that. chance at it, 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 it breaking through here. And, you know, one day hopefully you'll be able, we'll be able to be looking at you on TV going, we knew him when. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. So, all right, Kyle. Uh Anything you want to shout out here, go for it. Um, you know, you threw out some of your social. You might want to do that again if you're anywhere, if you have a website, anybody you want to thank, whatever, mm -hmm. the floor is yours. Well, thank you all again for listening. Um, I hope that, you know, you learned a lot from me and, you know, what I had to say. Uh, please reach out to me on social media. Uh, I have a Twitter and Instagram, K underscore Bolin, B-O-L-I-N, nine. Um, for the Completions for a Cause charity challenge that I'm doing on at Rutgers Pro Day on March 9th. So please tune into that, and I would love to see you a part of that. Thank you so much for having me, and hopefully I'll be back. Yeah, um, I'd love to get you to come on down and show you what we do. You can uh, work out with some of our athletes, maybe do um, let you guys talk a little bit about the challenges of your careers together because I think um, that could be an interesting story in itself. So this is Brian Wright, and this is The Hive. You can find me at brianwright732.com, brianwright732 on Instagram, Twitter. Uh, I started this other thing, Vero. I tried to get on there. Their server sucks, so um, you can maybe find me there. Mm -hmm. But you can find The Hive podcast at thehivecast.com. We're also on TuneIn, uh, Google Play, iTunes, all that good stuff. And as always, we have to shout out some of the people that make this possible. Uh, meal Plans to Go, the meal prep company that makes sure Carl's getting everything he needs and all, a lot of the other athletes. Alienware, uh, Pure Spectrum, and uh, Sucker Punch Entertainment, also to Aggressive Sports Management. Real X brand clothing, which you can find at BeGreat365.com. If I've missed anybody else, I'm sorry. I'll get you on the next one. So this is Brian Wright with Kyle Bolin. This has been The Hive. We are out.